the letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to those believers under persecution, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Our reading this morning is not going to be long. It's one verse. I'm not going to read the ladies' verses. I want to specifically target this verse as we look at it. It's in its own little thought idea in the Bible. And so we're going to be looking at it as such. And I just want to urge you this morning, if you're not married, you're either male or you're female. That I know. If you're a female here today, a a woman, I ask you that you listen to God's Word and that if you're married, you help your husband in this task of getting his life right before God's Word. And if you're not married, I ask that you look at God's Word and that you help men in general to know how to handle ladies and women in a God-glorifying way because the world looks at us. The world looks at us. That's the whole emphasis of this letter. If you're a young person here, you're not married I ask you to look at God's Word and to look around as you start seeing who the Lord has for you and that you would see that this person you're looking at and even dating or going out with measures up to what God calls for us in His Word. Don't take shortcuts, but rather wait until the Lord changes them, readies them or shows you someone new, if it has to be. But let's Honor God's word first. So, the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, and just reading verse 7. I'm going to read from the ESV version. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives or dwell with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I've put up a few quotations here, some, I don't want to call them truisms, but some, do you want to just put up that first slide please? Or the second one rather. Just look at some of these um, things said about marriage. A successful man is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. A successful woman is one who can find such a man. Mm. To be a happy, happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and try not to stun, understand her at all. We're going to come back to that one. Any married man should forget his mistakes. There's no use in two people remembering the same thing. And then fourthly, women look at a wedding as the beginning of romance. Very sadly, this statement while men look at wedding as the ending of romance. I hope that is not true of your marriage, okay? A famous psychiatrist once said, After 30 years of studying women, I asked myself this question. What is it that they really want? That was his conclusion. But you know, the Bible has the answer this morning. 
This is our manual on why we exist and how we exist. The Bible has the answer this morning, and this is what it says. A woman wants to be loved selflessly and unconditionally. It's not just what she wants, it's the way a woman is designed by God himself. And so men, that's where you and I come in, alright? And I speak you and I because I stand before you as a fallible man too. Now men, I want you to look at these following statements and you're only allowed to answer it yes or no this morning. Only yes or no, there's no maybes. Alright, next slide please. Does, oh sorry, I haven't got this. Listen to these statements. Does your face spontaneously break into a smile when you see your wife? Don't answer that now. Second question, yes or no? Does your wife feel she's more important than anyone or anything else in your life? These are hard questions. Third question, do you know what your wife needs when she's under stress or when she's discouraged? Do you know what she needs? I see some wives smiling. Now, fourth question. Would your wife say, did you hear that mean? Would your wife say that you enjoy being with her and sharing many of life experiences with her? What would your wife say to you when she looked at your life? As we look at these statements and at this specific passage in God's Word this morning, we need to put a framework around it. And the framework I want to put around it is that passage we read read earlier this morning, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 28. And you can just glance there again if you want to. Put your finger there. We're going to be going through quite a few passages this morning to see what God's Word says. You see, we need to say, we need to see what Scripture says about Scripture, not what we think. And so what I'm going to be saying this morning is based in what Scripture says about Scripture. And because this is just one single verse, we look wider to see what does Scripture say as well in other places. So in in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 28, the framework around this verse this morning is this, that Christ loved the church in such a way that he gave himself up for her. He gave himself up for her. You see, Christ sanctified the church through his death. He was willing to die for us as believers. That's how much he loved you and I. He cleansed the church through his blood. His blood was shed on the cross, and we're going to be looking at um, communion this morning. Christ shedding his blood for you and I, so that we, you and I, the church, could be cleansed before him. And he will one day, when he comes again, present us to himself and to his Father in splendor. That means we will be presented holy and blameless to God the Father. And that picture has been given to us to show us how Christ was selfless and what sacrifice he was willing to make on our behalf. And that is the parameter, that is the standard we are called to as Christian men to love our wives in the same selfless, sacrificial way. And then that verse carries on, verse 28 That verse says, love your wife as you love your own body. Now, I still need to find a man who doesn't look after himself. Well, kind of, not the way your wife might think you should be looking after yourself, but the way you look after yourself. We generally tend to look after ourselves. We tend to be concerned about me, myself and I. We do that. All right. 
and we nourish our bodies. But the Bible calls us to not just nourish our wives, but to also cherish them. The word nourish means to look after her physical needs, but also to cherish her, to look after her spiritual needs. It's so important, and we're going to be looking at that in the specific text this morning. So as we, as we look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, there are two things that stand out for us, and I wonder if you can see them as well. See if you can see with me what God is saying there. There are two things that we need to be doing as husbands. What are they? The first thing is, we need to live with our wives in an understanding way. In other words, we are to live towards our wives with consideration. And we're going to be looking at that. And then the second part of that command there is we are to honour our wives. So there's the two parts of what we are to do as men. We are to live with women and with our wives specifically in consideration and also we are to honour them. And then there's a result to that and that affects our prayer life. So that's the basic outline of what we're doing this morning. So firstly, considering our wives. What does that mean? Let's just step back a little bit to those first words he uses. He says, you husbands, in the same way. What is he saying here? What have we been talking about in this letter in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 3? What have we been talking about? We've been looking at the whole theme of... Starts with an S. Submission. Submitting in various situations in life. And what the Apostle's done is he's gone through various scenarios in life and he's given us practical application of what that looks like. And so he says, in the same way as your wife submits to you by serving you, husband, you need to submit to your wife in service of her. All right? Not in role before the Lord, but in service of her. And we're going to come to that later. You see, we need to be submitting to her as a fellow believer. Our Christian wives are fellow believers with us. They believe in the same Lord. They've experienced the same mercy and grace from Him. And we need to submit to her as a fellow believer. We need to serve her as a fellow believer. And secondly, we need to submit to our our wives as to the Lord first anyway. In the same way that she was going to serve her husband as to the Lord first. You see, the wife experienced the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit in her life which makes her respectful and pure, as we saw last week. And that same Holy Spirit is going to make us understanding and attentive to our wives. You see, we can't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit has to bring this change in our lives. We cannot do it on our own. We are too fallible as human beings. And so as we come to live with our wives with consideration or understanding, I want to look at some practical aspects of this. And I'm going to try and be as practical as I can today. Alright. So as you come to understand your wife, what does that mean? The first thing is that you need to listen with your heart. Listen with your heart to your wife. That doesn't mean selective hearing. It doesn't mean superficial hearing. Yes, I heard you, dear. It means listening to her You are seeing her. I am listening to you. I am seeing you. It's not like that listening that happens when you're watching your favorite rugby game on a Saturday afternoon. And your wife asks you, could you please put out those bins because they need to get picked up? And you say, yes, dear. 
And then Monday morning comes when the round comes and it's still sitting where it was. That is selective, superficial hearing. The Bible calls us to do nothing from self-conceit and selfishness. Just flick with, you, with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. We're going to be looking at quite a few verses today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Here's that verse that I started quoting. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. So yes, husbands, even though it's a rugby game and it's the all-important thing in life, you need to listen to your wife and listen to her carefully when she's speaking because the Bible asks us to live with consideration. And I'm going to have a few husbands after me after this, but that doesn't matter. God's word comes first. The next thing we can see about loving our wives and understanding our wives is that we need to know our wives. The Bible says we need to know our wife's desires. We need to know our wife's goals, her frustrations, her strengths, her weaknesses. We need to know our wives. We need to understand that, yes, husbands, even when to you she doesn't make sense, we need to try to understand our wives as best we can. Thirdly, we need to live or dwell with our wives, says the, our Bible verse. It says, live with your wife in an understanding way. We need to dwell with our wives. That means it's more than just sharing the same address, husbands. We need to spend time with, we need to laugh with, we need to cry with, work with and socialize with our wives. So important. We need to live with them. It means more than just physically loving your wife. Yes, it means that too. But we need to love them as a whole person. Proverbs 5 verse 18 says, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And when you look next to you, she might not be youthful anymore, but she is still the wife of your youth. Your first love. Love her, says the Bible. Understand means make time to be home and to do things with your wife. You're too busy, maybe. Maybe you're too busy with work. Maybe you're too busy with Christian work. Maybe you're too busy solving other people's problems. But you know, by doing that, you might be creating your own problems at home. Because your wife needs to be loved. She needs someone who's with her and who is doing life with her. In a recent survey of New Zealand, by the way, not America, it was found that the average working family, husband and wife, listen to this, it's shocking, that the average husband and wife have 37 minutes per week of actual deep communication. 37 minutes a week of actual deep communication. That's the average, okay? You might be different. Ask your wife. You see, no wonder that our marriages, even in the church, are starting to fall apart. We are not spending time with the one we love. We've got other things that we are loving, other things that we're being kept busy with. And yes, our employers want our time. It is a greedy beast, an employer. But we need to set priorities and say, I cannot be here now. I need to spend time at home with my wife. And I know I was fishing yesterday. You see... What an example we set to our children. What do they see? They spend all this time with mum and dad is never there. 
We need to be spending time with our wives. Our children grow up, they get out of homes, and what do they do? They start living the same pattern they saw in us. And so it's repeated in them. And in the end, when our children leave homes and we haven't spent time with each other as husband and wives, what happens? We left at home with a stranger because we've never spent time with her and we've both grown. We haven't seen how that growing's been going. We haven't got to know each other that well and we are left alone with a stranger. And then we wonder why people up and leave in their late lives and go and find someone else. Dwell with your wife, says Scripture today. It's God's command to us. Furthermore, I think understanding means speaking the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says. You see, yes, in our marriages we need to speak the truth to each other. It's so important during finances, how you're feeling about your own life, interaction with each other. We need to be truthful towards each other because love without truth is hypocrisy. If you are not speaking the truth to your wife and your husband, you are being a hypocrite. You are living a double life, says Scripture. But then those times of arguments come. And now be careful, men. You can speak the truth, but it won't necessarily be in love. The Bible says we need to speak the truth in love. You don't get to that point where you say, you want the truth? I will give you the truth, dear. And then you let her have it. That is not speaking the truth in love. You see, when that happens, truth without love is brutality. Scripture says that. Why? Galatians 5.15. Flick there if you would. New Testament survey today, okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. Look at the way it says that we are to speak to each other as believers. Yes, even during times of argument. Look at this. Galatians 5.15 says this. But if you bite and devour one another... Take care that you are not consumed by one another. You see, the way we speak to each other really is important. We cannot bite and devour each other even during times of argument. We've really got to speak the truth in love. We can't be harsh and embittered against each other. Colossians 3.19 says, We are to speak the truth in love, says Scripture. I think understanding also means to communicate. You see, in men, this is the hardest one for us. It means men, we have to open our mouths and to actually speak. It's hard, I know. Because men, we tend to bottle up, don't we? It's kind of easier. The women are kind of more verbally free, if I can put it that way. Okay? They are. It's a general thing. I mean, it's been statistically proven, okay? So I'm not going to put myself on a block here. But we need, as men, to open our mouths and to say what we are feeling. We really need to do that. You cannot use the excuse, I never knew you felt that way, dear. It's just no excuse. It's a cop-out. It's plainly what it is. It's a cop-out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. This is scripture calling us. It says we need to edify our wives. It means we are to encourage our wives. We are to build up our wives. And that means, gentlemen, we've got to speak. We've got to encourage our wives. They can't get it by osmosis. They need to hear it from us. So those little words, I love you, are really important. And I'm speaking to myself. I don't say it enough to my wife. My wife sometimes reminds me. Okay? I know. 
We need to be encouraging our wives. We need to be speaking up. It's really important. Scripture's calling us to these high standards. You see, consideration or understanding is not just an understanding thing here in our heads. It is a verb. It is a doing word. We need to understand our wives. There's action that has to happen. Someone once asked Mrs. Einstein if she understood Dr. Einstein's theory of relativity. She said, no, but I understand the doctor. That's what we need to do. We need to understand each other. You might not understand what he does at work. You might even understand it better than him. But (laughs) you need to understand your wife. We need to understand each other as couples. And true, it only comes with time. There's a knowledge that you have of your wife and your husband that only comes with maturity as you spend time, as you live life with them. That is when you really get to know them. And you know those couples that have been married the longest? You'll see them. They're the ones that when they start saying a sentence, the other one can complete it. They start thinking the same things at the same time. It's kind of scary, you know, right? But it, it works that way. We get to really understand each other. So the scripture says to us, We need to live with our wives with understanding. Secondly, Scripture says in that same verse, we are to live with with our wives as with someone weaker and we need to show her honour as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So so what Scripture is calling us here to this morning is not just consideration of our wives but protection. And I know this isn't a popular message today in 2010 going on to 11 because women's lib has done such a lot of damage and has thrown out the baby with the bathwater. And so men, we've got to claim that ground again. We need to protect our wives. We need to protect the women in this country. The rape statistics for this country are going up and up and up every year because men have lost their respect for women. And so we need to reclaim that as men. Physiologically, we are made different. We can't. The Lord, God has made us that way. And in general, men are generally stronger than women. You get the exceptions to the rule. But in general, men are. And so, the Bible says, she is the weaker vessel. But listen to that. She is the weaker vessel. Both vessels have been made by the same God. And so, we are to protect her as such. And yes, physiologically, in general, women need much more sleep than men They are more prone to the influence of emotions than men are. And yes, we are wired differently. And if you've read Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus or something like that, I kind of started reading that and lost interest. Um, (laughs) Yes, we are different. I don't need to read that book to know that. And so when it comes to physical tasks, men, yes, sometimes you are an 85 kilogram jar opener, but that's all right. You do the job and do it with a smile and a willing face for your wife. And yes, you are there to carry out bags, to put up ladders, to take down ladders, to paint and do all those things. But God has made us differently. Let's do that to glorify God, firstly. Let's serve Him first. Let's learn what it is to be a gentleman again. And I know it's an outdated term. You don't need to be 85 to be a gentleman. You can be one at 16 if you handle a woman with respect due to her. And so, yes, and I'm going back to those old cliches, Open doors, stand up from seats, do all those things that we don't see anymore. Let us Christians show the world how to live. Let's honour our woman. We don't want to see that macho image of what a man is. And that's the one the world portrays. Alright? 
the macho man who can stand up for his rights and smoke. I don't know how many. I oh know that's going out now. But he's got that big physique and he's the one who is up there. That's what the world portrays as the man. No, the man is the one who serves his wife, the one who looks after women around him. That is a real man. Protect. But you know, there's a second part to protecting our wives and that is to take up leadership in our homes. You see, we as men are not to abdicate our responsibilities before the Lord and to leave the leadership to our, to our wives. It is a role that has been designed for us, not for them. And what we end with, and I've seen this so often in this country, men have given up their roles of leadership in the home, leadership in, organization, in the church organization I'm speaking about, and women have stepped up because someone needs to lead and they've stepped up to that role, and it's not been good for them or for that organization, the church, specifically. We need to take that leadership and see that our wives don't have to put up with what we have been labored to do. You see, what ends up in a family when a man doesn't stand up and take leadership, the wife ends up mothering that guy. And I've seen it, you see it often. You go to a shopping center and have a bit of a look there. And see who takes leadership. And I know it's a shopping center and buying groceries. And I know. But when a couple are there, it tells you so much about that couple. By the way they handle things at the tool. By the way they handle things while they're doing the shopping. Alright? Have a look there. Take leadership with your wife. Don't let your wife end up mothering you as a man. And she's got this 45-year-old boy in the house. Alright? Um... Because your wife will end up being spiritually unwell. They're not designed for that role. God has given us a specific role to play. We need to do it. We need to lead in our homes. It's been said that the man needs to be the thermostat in a home. You need to set the spiritual tone. You need to set the emotional temperature in the house. We need to take the leadership men. We need to be, doing, we need to be having that quiet time. Your own quiet time and then with your wife going into God's Word, praying with it. And I'm guilty as much as any other man here for not doing that as much as I should be. We need to be setting the spiritual and emotional temperature in our homes. And men, I tell you, your, your wife will be a good thermometer. She'll tell you when it's not right. It'll come out. It might be in body language. It might be through a cooking. It might be through some way. It'll come out. We need to take leadership in our homes. Alright? So they're the two things. Living with our wives with understanding means... Understanding her, living with consideration, and protecting our wives. And then secondly, the second part of that verse says we need to show her honour. We need to show her honour as a fellow heir of the grace of life. You see, the same term is being used here as was used in verse 17. Just glance back at verse 17 of the previous chapter. And there he was speaking about honouring all people. Why did we have to honour all people? Because, said Scripture, we were all made by the same God. We were all made in God's image with His eternal stamp on us. And so we are to honour our wives. She is not inferior to you men. The only difference between the Lord, the, between the two of you before the Lord, is that you have different roles to fulfil before Him. And you are responsible for both, by the way. You are responsible to see that your wife can be a good wife before the Lord. It is your responsibility as husband to see that that can happen. How do I know that? I didn't just make it up. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. Let's go back to scripture, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, sorry, chapter 11, verse 3. There's our model set for us. We're not making these things up as a church. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Do you see where that's encouched? It's encouched in the model of Christ and God the Father himself. As Christ in authority put himself under God the Father, so God has appointed the woman under the man in authority before him and in role, in responsibility before him. That is where that comes from. We didn't just make it up. And it all goes back to the results of the fall. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. You can go and look that up today. When Eve sinned, she sinned. And one of the results of the fall was she'd have to give birth with pain and the other one was that her desire would be for her husband. And that didn't mean desire as in I love you, dear. That meant desire as in I want your position, dear, before God. That's what that word means in the original. All right. And that was the result of the fall. And so we as men need to take that leadership and we need to honor our wives. We need to honor our wives and we are responsible before the Lord. That means that we are to be companions to our wives. They are our fellow heirs, says our text. Our fellow or co-heirs with us in Christ. Galatians 3, 28 and 29 says that. They are no less than us. They experience the same love from Christ, the same inheritance in Christ, the same rewards from Christ. We are to value our wives. We are to value the woman around us as companions in their own specific role to play before the Lord. And if you're married, the role of marriage. You see, the, the wife is also responsible to the Lord for how she lives as a wife before Him. And we are to see that she can do that. We are to see that it is made possible. We are, she is our fellow heir in Christ. And also in the grace of life or translated in different translation, the gracious gift of life that God has given to us as men and women. See, he's not speaking about eternal life there in that text. He's speaking about the life that God has given us here on earth and how that can be a gift to us if we live our lives before him properly. You see, he wants us to be true and intimate friends as husband and wife. And we are to live under the divine providence that God has given us of marriage. Is your wife your best friend? You spend more time with your golf mates than with your wife? You see, in the Roman times, and that's why the apostle put that in, in the Roman times, companionship in marriage, men didn't know what that was because they saw the role of woman as staying in the home, looking after the children and looking after the household slaves. So he, the apostle had to specifically put that in there. But it has relevance to us today. But now we come to the last part of that verse. It says, if I just get back to my verse, live with your wives, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And here we go now. There's a result to this, so that your prayers will not be hindered. You see, there's a warning for all of us here today from Scripture. 
If you do not want to be cut off from the divine blessing of God, we need to live as husbands with proper responsibility before the Lord. We need to love our wives in this way. And the specific term used here for our prayers will not be hindered was a military term meant to cut up the road before your enemy so that they couldn't move freely. That is the term that was used for that word hindered over there. And so what is Scripture saying to us here? Do you want your way before the Lord cut up and churned up so that you can't live a free life before the Lord and as He wants you to live, all because you're not loving your wife as you should be or you're not respecting woman as you should be respecting woman? God says, let your prayers not be hindered. Be obedient to me in this respect of looking after your wife and then our relationship will not be interrupted. You see, if we... If our prayer life is disrupted, the, the, the personal relationship between you and the Lord Jesus Christ is disrupted too. Because you are not communicating as you should be communicating. John chapter 14, it's our second last reference here today. John 14, verses 13 to 14. Why don't you turn there with me please. Speaking about our prayers. John 14, verses 13 to 14. You've all read this before. Listen to what it says. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now that is what God has promised us. But Scripture today has told us, if we do not love our wives as He's told us to love her, to love her then this promise cannot be fulfilled in our lives. There's a warning here for us as men. You see, if unconverted people can have happy homes without prayer, and they do in an earthly way, how much happier our, Christians home, our Christian homes would be with prayer, which is God-glorifying, because we are being obedient to Him. That is a challenge of today's passage. Now, I want to come to that question that I raised last week, and that is a burning question that I've heard asked, and that is this. What if my Christian husband is not treating me the way he should be? What if my wife is being rebellious? What do I do then? Well, we need to go back to God's Word then and see what does God's Word say to us. And I'm going to turn you back to a surprising passage this morning. And you're going to say, you didn't know it applied to Christian marriage, but it does. Matthew chapter 18. Turn, turn with me, if you just very briefly, to Matthew chapter 18. It is so important that we as believers know how to handle dif difficult situations in our marriages too. Now, usually when you hear Matthew chapter 18, people will quote it. It's to do with church discipline, right? But you know, it's to do with the relationship. When there's a relationship breakdown between people on a spiritual basis, then we come to Matthew chapter 18. How do we restore it? How do I know that? Because if you look at the passages on either side of this passage, you'll see it's to do with how do you bring back the lost sheep? You go after it. You leave the 99 and you go after that one. It's talking about restoration. And after this passage is speaking about forgiveness of your brother and your sister. And so this passage has to do with what happens when we are not living the way we should be. You see, the question you've got to ask yourself is, yes, your wife might not be listening to you, she might be rebellious and openly rebellious to you, 
And yes, your husband might not be treating you the right way as a believer, but you, the question you need to ask yourself is, is he your brother in Christ? Is she my sister in Christ? And if the answer is yes, then this passage applies, and the principles in it apply. And so, the first step that you go to in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17 is, you go in humility and in privacy, and you go and confront your brother or your sister about this specific thing. And so, husband, and so wife, you need to go to your husband, you need to go to your wife, not in front of the kids, not openly arguing and calling them names, you need to close the doors, if you need to send your kids, get someone to babysit them, and quietly come and speak to him or her about that whole issue. That's what scripture calls us to. You know, when we solve our arguments, it's usually at so many decibels shouting at each other across the kitchen, whatever way you might do it, in the car, all right? In humility and privacy, says scripture, confront him or her about his sin, and then see if you can work it out that way. And it doesn't say just once, and then go the next step. Over and over and over, try it again. Confront in humility and speak. You see, don't make loud comments in front of visitors when they arrive about your husband. I've heard that, by the way. Try every means possible to find peace. Go after that lost sheep. And then, if that doesn't work, what is the next step in Matthew chapter 18? It says, ask, take someone else with you. How do we do that in the marriage situation? You go to someone who's really close to you as a family, that you both respect, and you say, would you please come with me? There's something really serious that I'd like you to come with me. We need to speak to my wife. We need to speak to my husband about this. And that takes courage, because now you're open, you're putting the laundry out there. Alright? You need to go to someone else, and you need to confront your husband, your wife. You see, the question you need to ask yourself is, do you love your husband or your wife enough to fight for them? Not with them, to fight for them. And so, apply this principle. And then, if they are still hard-necked and hard-headed about it, what do we do? We go and see the pastor or the elders and we bring them in. That is where we do do that. And they're not going to stand up here and say, oh, by the way, that family is having major hassles and, you know, can you please pray for them? No. The elders or the pastor will come and, with you, try and sort that out in the quietness of your own home or here at church. And they'll try and solve that between you. And then, if they still won't listen, says Scripture, then you need to treat them, listen to Scripture, as a Gentile, as an unbeliever. That's hard to say. But Scripture says it, so I have to say it. And so what do we do? The principles of 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7 then apply. And look back at that again, wives. Husbands, we need to live such lives in front of them that our lives speak testimony before them and so that the gospel can be brought to them. Do you see the principles applied? As we finish today, I want to leave you some marriage health checks. We've put them in the bulletin too so you can go and discuss these as husbands and wives together. And in honesty, please, go and discuss these questions with each other. I'm going to put them up here and we're just going to very quickly run through them. First one is, are we partners or competitors in our marriage? Are we partners in this marriage or are we competitors? Second question, are we helping each other become more spiritual? I didn't say wealthy, I said spiritual. 
Are we helping each other become more spiritual? What are you doing as a husband to help your wife become more spiritual? And wife, what are you doing to help your husband become more spiritual? Young person, what are you doing towards your fellow uh, young person in the, in the YP or in the youth group to help them become more spiritual? Are we doing that? Thirdly, are we depending on the externals or the eternals? The externals is what we can put on. Remember, we looked at that last week. Or the eternals of God's principles in God's Word. Are we using those in our lives? In other words, are we using what's artificial or what's real? Fourth question. Are we understanding each other better with time? If you are married for 25 years now, you need to ask yourself the serious question. Do we understand each other better now than what we did 25 years ago? And if you don't, there's serious problems. Fifthly, are we sensitive to each other's feelings or ideas or taking each other for granted? You know, in that last statement we made when we put up the first statements this morning, that was a bit of an Irish twisty. Um, but you know, sometimes husbands think that romance ends when marriage starts. Well, it's this question here. Are you taking your marriage for granted? Are you taking your wife for granted? Do you know that she runs around behind the scenes when you don't see her tidying up the house, doing washing, whatever she's doing, and still, in some cases, keeping a business or running, uh, being part of a business or work life? Do you take her for granted? Do you stop and thank her? Do you bring her flowers? Do you thank your wife? Sixthly, are we seeing God answer our prayers? You know, if you are praying in your household and you're not seeing your prayers answered, maybe you should go and examine your marriage and see if there's something there you need to fix up because it could be that God is not listening to your prayers because there's a problem. Seventhly, are we enriched because of our marriage or robbing each other of God's blessing? That's a hard question to ask. Are we actually enriching each other in our marriage? There are two books I really want to bring to your attention. The one was printed quite a while ago, but the truths haven't changed. If only he knew. And this was a book my wife gave to me before I got married. I mean, she wasn't my wife then. She gave it to me before we got married. And it was really a great book to just get inside a woman's mind to see what she thinks and how she thinks. And it's titled here, A Valuable Guide to Knowing understanding and loving your wife. It was really good. And so men, it's still in print. It just looks a little different to that now. It's still in print. You can still get it. Speak to Rosalie. And then men, another one too. Disciplines of a Godly Man. This is an invaluable book bringing us back to those disciplines we need in our lives as men. Whether you're a single man or whether you're a married man, it doesn't matter. Those principles remain the same for you and I. Read and encourage yourself and make sure that your, wife, that your life is lined up with the way God wants you to live, not your wife. Is, is, does your, your life glorify God is the question you've got to ask yourself. You see, when, husband and wife, when husbands spend more time focusing on submission and getting submission, and when wives spend more time worrying about submitting to their husbands, then the image of marriage is distorted. But when each of us focuses on the mutual responsibilities before the Lord, then marriage takes its rightful place and the world looks at us and God is glorified through us. 
I'm going to leave you with a true and false statement. Listen to this and put true or false to this. I believe in a wife submitting to a husband, but I don't believe the husband ever has the right to demand it. In fact, I know that when I am worthy of submission, my wife submits. And when I am unworthy of it, she doesn't. She's not right, but I'm not right either. Such a true statement. Let's come before the Lord. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you that you didn't just give us your word and it was full of theory or it was full of highfalutin theology. But Lord, you've given us practical guidelines of how we are to live our lives before you in practice in our everyday lives. And Lord, I pray that as this word has gone out to the men specifically of this congregation today, I pray that you would be gracious to us as men and that you would help us to live up to those standards. And Lord, we know that we are not doing this in our own strength, but that your Holy Spirit can help us to live lives that are worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for our wives too, that they would be gracious with us too, that they would be patient with us and that they would stand by us as we try and live these God-glorifying lives. And that in the end, Lord, you would be glorified through the lives we live as married couples. You would be glorified as, through the lives we live as single individuals before you. So that the world would look at us and know that God is alive. Because they see him in us and in our reactions. Lord, to you be the glory in everything this church does. We ask this because you're a great God who can make these things possible. Amen.